A house is made of wood and stone, but only love can make a home. Welcome to the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, helping you make your home into one you'll love even more. On News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, good morning, everybody. Happy Saturday. Haley. Happy Saturday. Happy Saturday, Dan. Yeah, it's Father's Day weekend. Mm-hmm. Happy Father's Day. I am living the dream. And, well, thank you. I was yeah, too busy preparing what I was going to say that I didn't even <laughs> realize what you had said. But, yes, Father's Day weekend. Hopefully you've made plans with Dad and you've got all kinds of stuff set. Hanson Children, hopefully you have presents galore all lined up and ready for me. I like to unwrap starting with the least exciting And then work my way up to the one that makes me kind of bite my palm because I'm so excited. Bite your palm. You know, like Lenny from uh, Laverne and Shirley. Is that too old for you? Did I just date myself? You did. A lot of people out there know (laughs) what I'm talking about. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, Hanson Children, that's what I'm looking for. You know, honestly, I don't know. They're probably not going to hear this. I'm joking about the presents. Presents aren't a big deal. Well, you did ask for one specifically. I know. I I am joking when I say presents aren't a big deal. I want to find the balance. They are a big deal, but they're not as big a deal as I've made them to be. Right. Right? It's not all about the presents. It's a lot of it, though. (laughs) It's about the presents. But yes, there is something that I asked for. The kids were talking about that uh, about a week or two ago. What would you want for Father's Day? And of course, what did I say? I don't want anything. Mm -hmm. Right? Of course. Just knowing you love me is enough. But if you do want to buy me something, <laughs> I know. And do you know what I asked for? You do. Yeah. Is that not the so dumbest funny. request? I asked for, what do you even call it? A dustpan on a stick. Yeah. Like I guess they the, would use in like at a, uh, an amusement park. Or a restaurant. Or a restaurant. Or... I have a dustpan on a stick and it's a little warped. So every time I'm sweeping, oh, all right the under. dirt and dust goes right under the middle of it. So I asked for one with a nice little rubber end on it. And I thought, you know, that's pretty nice. And I have kicked myself <laughs> for two weeks. There's better things. But they ran out and I think bought one right off the bat, which I'll be very happy with. Yes. It's very practical. No, it's extremely practical. I was impressed that you had one of those to start with, that honestly. Is true. I do know cleaning. If you want to know about cleaning, you just ask me. Okay. I live to clean. <laughs> to clean right well then this is a great father's day present for i you. am so excited now now if i don't get that because they have joked that they haven't gotten me anything but we'll find out i'm sure that's a joke but anyway it is father's day weekend we've got all kinds of stuff planned for the show today but before we get into all of those things well i guess we can tell them what we're talking about yeah we're going to talk about super fun stuff super fun stuff and unexpected history yeah that's enough right yeah because if we tell them what those things are, you're not going to think it's cool. We're going to lose them because it's yeah. not going to sound it's as cool. It's really cool, but if we say it, you're not going to yeah, think yeah, so. Yeah, yeah, So we won't talk about that. So let's talk about fathers and then we'll get into our topic because it is Father's Day. And I do want to honor my dad. And you have a fun story. I have several because my dad is a lot of fun and he was always a lot of fun growing up. I mean, we never knew what he was going to do next, right? Mm-hmm. So when I think about all the things that he's done, because I've been trying to prepare for this one thinking of dad stories. Yeah. Because I've got a lot, but I don't want to embarrass him either because he had <laughs> no scruples when it came to what he would do to be funny. I it see. didn't face him at all. So maybe nothing <laughs> would embarrass him. But a couple of things. He's taught me so much. But one of the things that I guess is worth talking about here is just that he's taught me the value of having fun all the time. Yes. Now it gets old, <laughs> but still, overall, it's a really, really positive thing. And, you know, dad never took himself crazy seriously. 
And he instilled that in us, all of, you know, my sisters and I. Yeah, no, it's a good lesson. It's a lot of fun to live life without taking yourself seriously. Yeah. If you take yourself seriously all the time. It's not going to go well. It's like driving in a car with no shocks. Yeah. It's a Mm -hmm. really bumpy, jolty ride. If you don't take yourself seriously, you just glide right along. Go with the flow. Yeah. And one of the ways that, you know, if I had to think of a story that summed that up, it would be dad's invisible friends. Now, <laughs> lots of people have invisible friends, right? As children. Lots yeah. of little children have. Yes. Yeah. Haley knows the story. Dad had his invisible friends uh, during our childhood. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember when they were born, they were born at a pizza place. My sisters and I were going in. We went with dad to get pizza, which was a big night out. Oh, yeah. Hansons are getting pizza. Yeah. You know? Did you rent a movie afterwards? Yeah. <laughs> that would have topped it off. The big time. We even got pop. Oh. We never had pop. Anyway, all of that's happening, and we're leaving the pizza place, and the warm pizza's in our little, little paws, uh-huh. and we're hauling it out to the car, and we're all out. And the, the lobby, the, the waiting room, is completely empty, except for Dad, who's holding the door and looking inside and gesturing. And we're all sitting there thinking, what in the world is going on? And he says out of the blue, Bob, come on. And he waits. He looks at somebody who's walking through a door, an invisible person. And he lets the door shut. The guy at the counter, huge saucer eyes, he's watching dad and he's thinking, what kind of mental problems does this guy have? What did I just see? He thought that was so funny growing up. We'd never, he'd never done anything like that. Just, I don't know where it came from. But then Bob actually became part of the family. He was involved in everything. He had to have a setting at the table. Oh my gosh. Oh, it drove mom crazy. And then Henry came along, another little invisible friend. And then eventually they embodied little stuffed animals that awesome. dad found in the basement and he would haul them everywhere everywhere Haley that's amazing yeah he was a salesman on the road on the east side of the state uh-huh. during that point in our lives and he would go away for several days he had sure. an apartment out there and every night he'd call and talk to us and we all had to talk to Henry and Bob they would thump the phone with their hands mom had to talk to them and he would not <laughs> let up until mom talked to him drove her nuts that's amazing. It was great. Are it they taught... still around? Yeah. We well, they don't they're not a part of our lives actively anymore. Okay, gotcha. They no, the medication has weaned dad <laughs> off of this thing. But it drove home the point of how fun life can be. Stop being serious. Have fun with the kids. We loved that. Yeah, that's really awesome. My dad coached my basketball and softball teams growing up, and I loved it. Mm-hmm. It was so much fun to have him there during all of those games and interacting with me in that way, going home and practicing together. Sure. All these things that we just kind of take for granted over time. Right. And speaking of taking things for granted, let's take a break right now. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a tool that we all take for granted and we use all the time. Yeah. There's a surprising history and a lot of fun stuff. It's really unexpected, actually. Right. We're going to get to that. We'll tell you what it is. Well, at the next segment. So stick around. Helping you turn your house into your dream home. This is the Repco Light Home Improvement Show, presented by Benjamin Moore on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, Haley, there are all kinds of tools that we take for granted. We don't even think about where they came from, we just use them. And mm-hmm. most of the time, if you're children, you don't even put them back where they belong. <laughs> you just use them and leave them there and never give a second thought to it. Now, we have talked about a bunch of them before. We've talked about hammers and saws and duct tape, and we've dug into the interesting history behind them. 
And I came up with another one. You did. It's I was a, excited about it. It's a really good one. And even though I thought it was a really lousy idea at the beginning, mm-hmm. I didn't. I'm joking. <laughs> but I wasn't wowed by it. Because it sounds really ordinary because we take it for granted. It's the latter. Something we need and depend on all the time. And the shorter you are, the more you need it. Yeah, you really need them, Dan. I do. So you, you should really appreciate the latter. <laughs> you are not any taller. No, I know. Yeah. We both <laughs> need them and reaching wands, but we'll get those in another episode. But, but these have been around since 10,000 BC. At least. That's, at least. That's, that's the first recorded history. Exactly. We've got, what, art on a cave, the spider caves in Valencia, Spain, shows a picture of somebody climbing up with their, they're up to their elbow in a beehive harvesting honey. Yeah, right? we think. That's what the article said. We think they were harvesting honey. What else would they have been doing with, <laughs> with their, their arm in a beehive? Right. It better be harvesting honey. But either way, that, that particular picture shows a ladder being used. Now, it's kind of a rope ladder. Mm-hmm. They think it was probably made out of grass or something like that. But it's a ladder in concept. And then we know that they had wood ladders that they used in ancient Egypt uh, because that's how they built the pyramids and the tombs. So they've been around for a really long time and they haven't really changed much since the Egyptians were using them in that way. Right. The the Egyptian uh, ladders that, that we talk about. Basically, that's the modern ladder look for the most part. Mm-hmm. And that's the way it was for a very long time. And we know that the pharaohs and all those, they were using them in Egypt. But we know that they became more common shortly after that. And people everywhere started using them. And we know that because of a very interesting reference. There's a game yeah. that we're all familiar with. <laughs> Shoots right? and ladders. Shoots and ladders. How old is that? We all figure it's probably from the 40s or sure, something like yeah. that. It goes back where? To the second or third century BC. BC. In India. It was snakes and ladders originally. I I don't love this game. I'll be honest. It's a little harsh. And maybe that's why. Wait, whoa. <laughs> you have a hard time with shoots and ladders? That's harsh? That I guess game the kids definitely do cry made a lot. me cry. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't huh. a fun one. I mean, no. it's fun, but it's, I don't know. Well, it's old. Maybe that's the problem. I think you know, so. How it is with old things. Right. <laughs> no. Anyway, shoots and ladders. It's it's a it's a game that goes back. You said second century BC. Yeah. It was already something in pop culture at that point. Yeah, and it didn't really change much until about 1862 when Henry H. Balsley invented the folding ladder, the folding step ladder. Now there were step ladders just prior to that. There's there's evidence of that, but he holds the patent for the folding. Step ladder. He basically threw two ladders together and put a hinge on it, and suddenly you've got something that's incredibly easy to store. It's portable, and he also changed the the steps, right. the rungs. Hence the step ladder, because now they're flat and easy to just climb up. Before, it was always that round rung. Mm-hmm. So that was a big advancement, 1862. Another huge advancement comes in 1867, and it's Henry Marcus Quackenbush. Yeah, I always pause on that last name. It's a great last name, <laughs> Quackenbush. He invented the extension ladder at the age of 16. Yeah, I wasn't inventing at the age 16. No, I don't it's even impressive. know if I was driving. All the cool kids were, in fact... Pretty much everybody was. Yeah. I was a late bloomer. <laughs> That's been my thing. If Were I would ever get a tattoo, driving? which mom says I can't, so no. I won't. But if I did, it would say late bloomer. <laughs> I am still peaking. I'm waiting to peak. I like it. Fine wine. Yes, I'm like a fine wine. I'm just 
aging. Yes, exactly. <laughs> anyway, Henry Quackenbush, he's 16. He's a mover and a shaker. He's probably got girlfriends. He's probably driving. And he's inventing the extension ladder. Think yeah. about that. And think about the fact that we've had two major advancements in the ladder within five years. Up until that point, they were pretty much the same. It's yeah. kind of incredible thousands to think about. And thousands of years, and then boom, all these changes. Yeah. The next big advancement comes about 60-some years later in 1930, yep. and that's the introduction of the aluminum ladder. Yeah, the aluminum extension ladder. And it's because Norwegian firefighters decided they were too tired to lug those heavy wooden extension ladders around. <laughs> well, you're throwing a lot of shade there. Is that what the yeah. kids say now? Yeah. Did I is. use that correctly? You did. You did. That is like the first time ever. <laughs> anyway, you're throwing a lot of shade, but extension ladders, no, wood they're ladders, really heavy. crazy heavy. I so, don't move them. I watch other people move them. <laughs> so the Norwegian firefighters kind of were crabbing about that. Hey, this is too much. We're not sure if we want to get to that floor or not. Maybe we can do something different. I'm sure that's not how it went, but overall. Well, Sam Corbis took on the job, though, and he creates the first aluminum. Was he from Norway? Where was he from? Corbis. No, he's from the U.S. Oh, he's from the U.S. Yeah. So he takes the job on and comes up with the, the aluminum, aluminum extension ladder. And so that's the first time we see a lightweight ladder being used. And from there, it kind of takes off. Now, all the firefighters want these lightweight aluminum extension ladders, and companies are being made just to support these firefighters, which is pretty cool. Yeah. And yeah, the aluminum extension ladder, that's probably what most of us have sitting around. Mm -hmm. Easy to lug around. And we can thank Sam Corbis. And the Norwegian firefighters for getting that started in the 30s. One other big advancement that kind of happened in about the 80s, 82, I think it was. Right. And this was surprising. Yeah. It was the attic ladder. You know, the little thing that you pull the, pull the rope down in the garage or whatever, and the ladder folds down? I really can't believe it took that long to make that. Yeah, I know. The 80s. I know. A lot of good things happened in the 80s. <laughs> that's well, one of them. That's the history. No. But there's some fun stuff we could get into. The or we could go safety stuff. We could talk about safety stuff, or we could talk about... Let's save the safety stuff. We'll do that in a, a future okay. episode. We've so only got a little bit of time. fun stuff today. Yeah. All right. And it is fun. It, it is. is fun. It's the superstitious stuff that that's tied with ladders. And we all know... You know, when you think about, there's a handful of things that we think about, and whether you're superstitious or not, you know that there's certain things that a great big group of people think are yeah. Don't break a mirror. Avoid. Breaking mirrors, black, black hats, hat. uh -huh. Friday the Thirteenth. That's always a big sure. one. And walking under ladders. Walking under a ladder. And Haley brought that up when you pitched this topic, and you said, "Why is that a problem?" And of course, as is my way, I said, "Oh, that's simple. It's just..." And then I had nothing. <laughs> <laughs> and I realized very quickly, I, nothing. I don't have any idea why that's a big deal. And so you dug into it yeah. and you found a couple of things. Where does this go back to? Well, no, the superstition is almost as long as they were being used for it was back in ancient Egypt. They decided to put these ladders in the tombs that they were building with the ladders as a way for that person to get to the afterlife. It was going to make it easy for them to get out of the tomb. But if you walked under the ladder you were kind of interrupting their journey to the afterlife. Oh, so really? that was bad luck. Yeah. So doing that, that was a big deal. And then you mentioned that in uh, later years. Yeah, Christianity. Cre right, because the ladders, they were leaned up against walls at that point in yes. time. And that naturally creates a triangle. a triangle, or at least something very close to a triangle. And, of course, the triangle is a, a symbol for the Trinity. Mm -hmm. And walking 
underneath that ladder was like you, you said the language they used was breaking, breaking the trinity. the holy trinity that's a big deal and that might be why the offense is so great it's between 7 and 40 years that the bad luck is supposed to last right so that's where some of these superstitions come from and I'm sure there's more oh yeah I'm sure but we decided there's one last important thing that we can't talk about the superstition side of things without giving everybody the answer as to how to avoid it because while the superstition is kind of funny to think about where that came from. How to undo it is even oh better. Gosh. So we've so got good. a number of ways. We've got a couple minutes to go through them. And you're going to want to take notes because, I mean, I don't know how many times I walked under a ladder ever since we started writing this topic down. But anyway, here are some things you can do. First off, it's pretty straightforward. The first one is really easy. If you it, walk under, you walk back out backwards. backwards. Just go in reverse. Right. You can't turn around. Because that's going to make it just as bad. Maybe worse. I don't know. We should consult. Probably worse. But if you walk backwards, you can undo, perhaps. And if you make a wish on your way out, maybe that's even better. (laughs) So who knows? But that's the walking backwards one. Now, that's not for everybody, because not everybody is that agile. Oh, yeah. Fair. I would probably fall over trying to walk backwards. So not your thing. Don't worry. We got you covered. You can always put your thumb between your index and middle finger while walking under the ladder. So basically you're doing the I got your nose thing. Oh, yeah. You know, okay. we do that to little kids. Mm-hmm. If you do that, I got your nose thing as you're walking under the ladder, Cancels you're it good out. to go. Wow. All right. And maybe both hands if you're really worried. <laughs> well, if it's a big ladder or if you're really worried, both hands would be great. The other thing you can do is cross your fingers and wait for a dog to come by. <laughs> yeah, you got to wait for the dog. That's really important. If you just cross your fingers and go under the ladder and come out on the other side and uncross them Didn't without seeing anything. the dog, no, nah, you just screwed it all up. Yeah. So you've got to keep them crossed until you see a dog. We're not technically sure what kind of dog. Probably a big one. Bigger's better. Bigger maybe. is better. And, you know, a pure breed is good. If it's mangy, <laughs> maybe keep looking. You know, who knows? But maybe let's say finger crossing isn't your thing. If you like spitting, we've got some answers for you because you can get rid of the bad luck by spitting three times through the rungs. I don't know if I would be good at that, actually. Well, you might spit on the rung yeah. and cause a slip hazard for right, somebody. Right, exactly. Okay, well, let's say you don't want to spit through the rungs. One last one you can try is as you're walking through, and this one sounds really good, super uh-huh. solid. I'm sure this one's going to work. As you're walking through, you notice you're under a ladder. Oh, no, what do I do? You spit on your shoe, and then you don't look at it. Don't look at the spittle on your shoe until it's dried. So you're going to need a helper. Yeah, well, that's logical. Yeah, just get a little kid mm-hmm. somewhere, have them check out your shoe. If the spittle's dry, you're good to go. That's probably the best one, most effective. I think so, too. We're going to put a link in the show notes so you can check these out. Isn't folklore and superstition fun? <laughs> yeah. Crazy stuff. I love it. All right, we're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to dig into the wild, wild world of masking tape. That's all coming up next. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost on News Radio Wood 1300 and 1069 FM. Well, Haley, one of the things we talk about all the time on the show, we talk about it in the store when we're helping customers and things like that, it's prep work. Yep. And everybody hates it, right? Yeah. Why do you think that is? Because. We just want to get to painting one. Like, the job is painting to us. We just want to start rolling the paint on because that feels like what we're doing. Well, I think, and it's fun because you're changing the color. That's where something is happening. Because even priming isn't very much fun. Right. Yeah. It's just not as visually gratifying, I guess. And it doesn't feel as productive because we don't see 
the results as much necessarily. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think we can't it's like, see the clean wall. I don't right, know. Well, definitely that. And I think it's like you were implying in our minds, a paint project is painting. priming and painting, yeah. right? And we can live with that. And we may not be excited. Some people are. And really, if you do it the right way and you use the right tools, it can be really fun. But it's not like fun, like going to the beach or something (laughs) like that. We all know that. But we're not thinking that all this other stuff, the prep work, is even part of the project. That doesn't play into our minds. And so when we have to do it, it honestly feels like we're doing busy work. It's like extra work tacked on. slowing me down from the project. But the big thing is, and we say it all the time, and we say it because it's so true and so important, is that the prep work is... It's really, honestly the job. It's the job. If this part doesn't get done well, you're going to pay for it down the road. And even the painting part is going to be more complicated. Yep. And it may look worse. It may not function as well. So prep is key, even though it's no fun. When you think of painting, start thinking prep instead. Right. Maybe that will make it better. <laughs> yeah. But of all the prep jobs, there are two that I really detest. I hate sanding. Oh, yeah. Okay. But I like that better then the next one, and that's taping. Taping is the worst. It really is. I honestly avoid it. I will go without buying tape and try to just really take my time to cut in mm-hmm. and go slow. And How does that work for you? Well, I'm still not a machine. I think I'm better than some people. I will say that. The more practice you have <laughs> and the better tools you use. Yes. Use a good brush and really work at it. And you can, like contractors do, right. a lot of them do you know they minimize their taping yes because they've got a steady hand and they're used to working right and they get it done and it can go very fast however it does not go quick for me right and it doesn't go quick for me and honestly sometimes the problems that i cause i just did that in an entryway i did all of this prep i knew i had to do that but when it came to the taping i thought i'm going to skip it Mm -hmm. and just work my way around carefully and the amount of extra work i made for myself just because and stress honestly stress the room was tiny. It was hard to do what I wanted to do with the brush, and I just couldn't do it. And halfway through, I realized I should have just taped it. Mm-hmm. It would have been faster. Now, here's the rub when it comes to tape. So we make that case. People buy into it. They buy tape. They put it up. And what happens? We've had this happen to us, too, Bleed I'm through. sure. Yeah, that's Bleed why through. I avoid it. Because what's the point? Of- right. You tape it all off. Now you've added all this extra time, and then you peel it off thinking you've got this brilliant... Clean, clean line, crisp. sharp line. Yeah. And it's still got all this bleed through. What happened? What went wrong? Well, there is an answer to that. And it, there, there's, it's a combination of things. It's using perhaps an inferior tape. Yep. It's not applying one. it correctly. And sometimes it's uh, when you're actually doing the brushing, you're relying too much on that tape. You're yes. loading up the paint around yep. those edges. There's a combination of things you can do to get really good results And Haley, you, in order to get to this topic, you did something that is really interesting. We'll put it in the show notes, but you made a test board. Yes, I wanted unbiased opinions or results, I guess, for us to talk about because I think we already kind of know what the best tape in our minds we think we do. is going to be. But I wanted to put that to the test. I don't want to just pretend like we know the answers. I really want results to talk about here. So yeah, we tested seven different tapes and... Everything from the brown, you know, masking tape that we think of. Standard masking tape, whatever you think of when it comes to masking tape. The blue tape that we all probably imagine. And then frog tape. And if you're not familiar with frog tape, they've got a special chemical component on the tape that actually 
reacts with water Mm -hmm. to seal the edge. So the water in your water-based paint will actually, theoretically, activate this tape, seal the edge, and give you a razor-sharp line. That's the the marketing hype behind frog tape. And we tested them all. And I think it's really fun because... yeah, it was really fun. Yeah, was it was fun. question whether it was fun or not. <laughs> it was fun because how many people get to test nine different or eight or whatever we've got different tapes? Nobody's going to do that. No, Nobody's going to buy a whole bunch of rolls and just test it. <laughs> we didn't have to buy them. We just grabbed them off the shelf and Yeah, we stole them. them. We did. <laughs> right. In oh a responsible gosh. manner. We work here. Right. It's, it's okay. okay. <laughs> and we definitely got some results. So let's talk about that. And let's start with that brown masking tape. And a lot of people go to this because it's the cheap one. Yeah. More inexpensive amongst the group. It's sitting right next to the blue tape. Right. It looks like this is going to be the way to go. I'm going to save some money. It's a cup, you know, two and a half bucks a roll, maybe for a one inch roll, you know, and all the different sizes will change that price. But we go to that because we all, I do it too. We all try to save money on a project. Sure. And we don't always think through um, the ratios or the proportions of things. Yes. For example. I buy a roll of tape and I'm saving two bucks because I went to this cheaper roll. I don't stop and think, wait a minute, I only needed the one roll of tape. Mm-hmm. So I literally used this inferior product just to save two bucks. And I created all this extra work down the and road. And the results aren't as good. And that's the Which thing. is what we found out. Right. Now, if you're buying hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of rolls of tape like a painting contractor does, that's when the price really starts to become more important. That's true. But for regular paint projects, for most DIYers... Your results are worth more than $2. And the time it takes to get to those results. Yeah. So, the brown tapes. You tested them. What did you come up with? They're bad. <laughs> <laughs> Um, They don't work as well. There's a lot of bleed through. And I tested it both two different ways. Um, One, just with my finger. Right. You put the tape down and smoothed it down with your finger. Really pressing it down with my finger and then painting over it. The other way I tested it was with a putty knife. So I'm laying the tape down and then I'm going over the edges with a putty knife, a metal one. Right. With the idea that it's firmly pressing it down. And in most situations, you saw that there was a definite difference between the two application methods. Yes. Just using your finger, which most people generally do, ended up with bleed through on a lot of these. Mm-hmm. And for especially those brown ones that we're talking uh, about. Yeah. They bled through no matter Bad. what. Yeah, exactly. E- even the side that you used the putty knife on. Didn't which, make a difference. Right. Didn't make a difference. Normally it would. So those brown tapes, you're saving some money. It's just not worth it. No. You know, use them for What? Taping together plastic and and stuff like that, perhaps. Or like putting up a sign or something, maybe like a right. temporary sign. That's what I picture. Right. The the other downside, one other downside to those brown tapes that we should mention is the longer they're left on, they are harder to remove later. I did yeah. that. I made that mistake where I left it on a day or two longer in a room that got a fair amount of sun. Oh, I never thought about it. I came yeah. back to get it and I was peeling little slivers of tape off as I tried to get this whole thing off. It was a mess. Yeah, their adhesives are not designed for what we're talking about. It's not worth it. Not worth the saving. So let's bump up to the next one and now you're probably paying a couple bucks more a roll. So like four and a half bucks or so, somewhere in that range. And it's the blue what we would consider painter's tape. Yes. What did you find with that one? It was better than the normal masking tape than the Quite brown tape. Quite a bit tape. better. Yes. 
Uh, definitely made a difference using the putty knife. Still, you got much sharper lines with that putty knife. You yes. still had some bleed through just pressing it down. Yeah, with your just using my finger, I still had bleed through. But the putty knife application worked really well. So if I'm going to use the blue tape, that's what I would try to do is use a putty knife and really get it pressed down nicely. Otherwise, you're still going to have a little bit of that bleed through. Right. It does remove easier than those brown tapes will. Definitely. Even if left up a little bit longer. Because that's what they were made to do. Right. So that blue tape is a good way to go. You know, four and a half bucks, somewhere in that range for a one inch roll, just a little bit above that. But from our point of view, there was another tape that just stood head and shoulders above everything else. And that's the frog tape. Yeah, it really didn't compare to any of these other tapes. Right. <laughs> it was so much better. So let's talk about the frog tape comes in two different varieties. There's a green frog tape. Well, actually, there's three varieties now. There's a blue painter's frog tape. Yep. Which we didn't test. We didn't get our hands on that one yet. We didn't get that one. Uh, But we tested the green, which is more of a standard. And then there's a yellow, which is a delicate surface tape, which we'll talk about in the last little bits of this segment. But with the green one, you're paying a little bit more. You're looking at seven bucks, seven fifteen or so for a one inch roll, somewhere in that range. A couple bucks more, two and a half bucks more than the blue, but But so so much worth worth it. it. And why? Oh my gosh. Just using my finger, I had a perfectly crisp, clean line. When I was done. Which we didn't expect because we didn't do the putty knife with the frog tape. You did something different. You activated it with water. And again, we're talking about that chemical component, that that makeup of this tape, which reacts with water. Exactly. What did you do? You actually just had a paper towel damp. Yep. Just a damp paper towel. So I'm essentially pre-activating the tape. Because normally we're waiting for the water and the paint to activate that chemical on the tape to seal the edge. So I thought, well, what if we pre-activate it? And that's honestly what I've always recommended to people. We've recommended it on the show. Yeah. And I'm not going to go away from that recommendation, but I do question whether that might not be necessary in looking at this board. This is only about two feet of a test area, so it's not perfect. And it's only one surface. But there was no difference. There was no difference between the pre-activated and just the regular frog tape. Both were perfect. So really, when you think about it, you can put the frog tape down. And even if you don't use a putty knife to press it down, you're still going to get better results than any of the other tapes if you do use a putty knife. The frog tape's going to go down super easily, just like anything else. Mm-hmm. Comes up just really as easily, easily as the blue tape. But you're going to get razor sharp lines more easily. Yes. So I'm thinking about contoured trim, things where it is tough to use a putty knife on. Frog tape is definitely the way to go. Yeah, because you can just use your finger or a damp paper towel, whichever you'd prefer, I guess. And then there is that safe release frog tape. And then the uh, Scotch or 3M makes another delicate surface tape very quickly. Those are for like freshly painted areas. Yep. You wouldn't want to put regular masking tape, blue painter tape over freshly painted areas because it generally will pull that paint off. These tapes, the delicate surface ones, are made to go over those areas or wallpaper. Or wallpaper, yep, yeah, exactly. Something like that and still come off cleanly. You still want to give that paint as long as you can to dry, but these are the better way to go if you've got to tape over an area that's been recently painted. Um, but between the scotch and the frog tape, the yellow frog tape, that delicate surface... The yellow frog tape still outperformed. It performed oh exactly gosh. like the green. Yeah, exactly. No different from the green frog tape as far as performance goes. I was really impressed. It was really cool. The one last thing that we'll say about the frog tape that I really like is they come in a little case. Yep. 
And it's a little plastic case, and that seems kind of gimmicky, kind of silly. But really, when you think about it, you've got to roll a masking tape. You take it out of the paper, out of the plastic. You use it. You throw it wherever, your drawer or whatever it goes into. That edge now is collecting dirt. It's collecting all kinds of stuff, lint, Mm -hmm. who knows what. The tape roll can get bent a little bit. It doesn't roll or unroll as easily. Or if it gets exposed to moisture, it starts to warp a little bit. All of that. The adhesive starts to die. The frog tape case... You keep that with the tape right inside. Yeah. Preserves the tape, keeps it clean. It's like its own special Tupperware. Yeah, definitely check out the board in the show notes. Uh, It really will make the case and help you decide what tape is right for you. The big thing, I guess the last thing that I want to end with is just remember that when you're taping, if you buy into the fact that you're going to tape, it's going to take the same amount of time to apply good tape or poor inferior tape. In fact, it might take more time to apply the inferior tape. Because hopefully you'd use a putty knife to really get a clean line. Right. So you've got at least, let's just say for sake of conversation, the same amount of time invested. You know, it's not going to be quicker to use cheaper tape, right? Right. Okay. So same amount of time invested, you're going to get good results with the frog tape. The best results. I can't paint a line that clean with just a brush. And I'm a pretty good painter. She's picky. (laughs) Really picky. (laughs) So I think it's really worth it to use the frog tape. I'm kind of sold on it because after I'm done painting, I am going to nitpick. Oh, I messed up there. I messed up there. This, I'll have nothing to talk about. (laughs) The board was really fun to do just because we see the results and, you know, it's just fun to see that this particular product, the frog tape, seems to live up to the marketing hype. Yeah. All right. All of that's in the show notes. Check it out. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to be talking about how to protect your carpet when you're painting your trim. That's just ahead. Stay tuned. If you want to take your DIY skills up a rung, the Repco Light Home Improvement Show is here to give you a boost. On News Radio Wood 1300 and 106.9 FM. Well, Haley, we just kind of beat the topic of tape to death. <laughs> I think that one clocked in at about 14 minutes of masking it's a long tape time talk. Time to talk about tape, but it, guess what? We're going to continue with it <laughs> <laughs> because we've got only a little bit left in this last segment, and we got it's different. Right, right. We, But we do want to still focus on tape because we want to talk about a very specific masking situation in a lot of paint projects. And it's something we've never talked about on the show because I honestly have not known the best way to solve this problem until now. We've reached out to some contractors and got some great answers. But what we're talking about is masking off your carpet when you're painting your trim. Right. A lot of the times when we talk about it on the show, I'm picturing in my head that maybe the carpet's been removed. Or, or you have hardwood floors. Right. So, it's really simple then. Right. But if you've got carpet down and you're not replacing it, what do you do so you can get that trim painted without getting paint all over the carpet? Well, of course, the answer is masking tape, <laughs> but there is a trick to applying it. And there's a couple yes. different methods depending on your situation. So, Well, we didn't necessarily think of it right away, too, because there are tools that are sold specifically for shielding your carpet when you're painting. And they're usually called carpet shields. Mm -hmm. But they don't always... Well, they work. They shield the carpet. However, when you're applying the paint, you're inevitably getting paint onto that carpet shield and you're moving it along as you paint. So now you've got paint kind of traveling with you. And if you're not really careful, that paint can still end up on the carpet. A lot of the times, even if you are careful, it's hard to prevent that from happening because the carpet shield is basically like a foot and a half long Mm -hmm. 
maybe an inch or so wide and it's just a thin metal piece that slides under and it's yeah not ideal not ideal like Haley said you can you can make some mistakes relatively quickly and not catch them until it's too late right so there's got to be a better way so we reached out to some contractors that we work with and yeah of course there's a better way and with the masking tape there's two situations that you can run into i'm sure there's more but let's talk about two main ones mm-hmm. that will cover most situations when you've got a carpet installed there normally is going to be a small gap between the trim and like where the tack strip is holding the carpet in place. Yeah. Now you may not see that gap, but if you start working tape into that, it will slide into that gap very naturally. And so one method, if that's the situation you've got, and I've got that in my basement, we've got that in the mm-hmm. studio here, here, you basically just take either that blue painter masking tape that we talked about. Or the frog tape. The frog tape. Something with good adhesion, but not a super aggressive adhesion. Yeah, I think duct tape could cause some issues. Right. There's so much adhesion there. Now, some painters will use it, but they've got to get it off instantly. We're not recommending that. Yeah. I like this blue tape. It worked fine. Probably about an inch and a half wide, and you take about three feet of it, and you rip that piece off, work it up, set it down on the carpet, right, you know, sticky side down, right next to the trim, and then you just kind of saw it back and forth. And and you're just going to shimmy it under the trim piece. Right. It will slide right under the trim, give you that perfect mask, and you're ready to paint. That's one way to go. Now, I had another situation in my upstairs. My downstairs, that's how it worked. The upstairs, there wasn't that gap. Yeah, you had to fight with it a little bit. I could not get it to shimmy under there Mm -hmm. for all the shimmying that I was trying to do. (laughs) And so what I ended up doing there, what worked really well, is I put the tape, you know, tentatively, I set it on the carpet, but then about a quarter of an inch, it kind of came up the trim a little bit. And then okay. I got a, about a six inch joint knife, yep. you know, a putty knife, anything will work. And I just pressed it down into that gap. Okay. And it took a little bit of practice. I mean, literally two or three tries, you get a feel for what you're doing and you can tuck it right into that area and you're ready to paint That's again. Perfect. It hides all the carpet fibers. Everything's good to go. The only other thing that you'd want to be aware of is as you're painting right up to that edge, mm-hmm. don't overload the brush. Yeah, it doesn't have to be a full paintbrush. It can be a dry brush, essentially, is what we call that, which means that you don't have a ton of paint. It's just enough to kind of do a thin coat. Well, And the thing is, once you pull the tape up when you're done and, and get it up you know, as quickly as you can after you've got the paint down... When you pull it up, it's going to fluff the carpet back to some extent, and it hides all of that dry brushing, you know, any any imperfections that you had where you couldn't get exactly down to the edge of the tape. Yeah, it's That all gets hidden. hidden in the carpet fiber. Super simple way to go. There you go. That solves that masking problem for everybody out there who's dealing with it. We did it. it. We did it. <laughs> now, that's enough talk about tape. We're going to wrap this show up. If you want to find it again, you can find it online at repcolite.com. And while you're there, subscribe to the podcast, which yeah. we've been saying over and over. But we have not made it easy for you. Right. If you head to our website, repcolite.com, there's going to be a radio show tab right at the top. If you click that, you're going to see a subscribe button. Makes it really simple to never miss an episode. Also, check out our Instagram page. You can always follow us there to see projects and inspiration. Exactly. Whatever you do today, make sure paint's a part of it. The RepcoLite and Port City Paint stores are open till 3, waiting to help. I'm Dan Hansen. And I'm Haley Johnson. Thanks for listening.